in the footsteps of Jesus from down under. This is Nick Kulita, your host. Very happy to be with you today. And it's my pleasure to introduce to you my guest coming all the way from the heart of Australia. And this is David Gilmore. David, welcome to our program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Nick, and thank you for the invitation to share with you. David, when I uh, met you first, um, I think we were in Fink when um, Ted Wilson uh, visited Australia and the Aboriginal community there, and we were talking about an opportunity to talk to you and to sh- you to share some of your amazing stories from the outback, from um, many encounters with God, with Jesus, and experiences with other people. But today, I would like to hear a bit of your story also. And if I could ask you from the beginning just to share with us a bit of your background. Okay. It's a pleasure to do that. Uh, I was born into an, a Seventh-day Adventist family. My father was, when he was 13, his mother who was a Roman Catholic background, a lovely Christian, very faithful, she discovered some things in the Bible that she decided to follow. One of them was keeping the Sabbath, and uh, she just loved the Bible. And that's how, uh, that's my background. So I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist from my father's side. My mother uh, met my father, she was the paymaster, and he worked in a, as a pastry cook uh, right near Bogger Road Jail at Annerley in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And uh, something happened that they uh, learned to love each other. And then my mother also became a Seventh-day Adventist, and she used to play the piano on uh, Sabbath, and they taught me the Bible right from a child. And uh, then I started the journey to follow Jesus because mm. I loved uh, the Bible stories. I loved learning about Jesus, and I have never stopped that wonderful journey. I'm now 66 years old. I just had my birthday uh, on the 3rd of September. So, uh, Wow, happy birthday <laughs> then. <laughs> we should have a big cake here. <laughs> Yes, so it's been a happy week for me, and I'm so excited to to follow Jesus. So, uh, but there was one encounter in my life that really helped me to have Jesus as my own personal friend. Mm. You know, your parents can teach you, but they cannot give you uh, an experience for yourself. That's so true. So we were traveling on a motorbike and sidecar from Brisbane to Tasmania. We'd come all the way down. This was in 1965, 66 year end, December 1965. I was 12 years old. My mother sat in the sidecar and I sat on the pillions, the seat behind my father on the bike. And we had our tent there. We didn't have a lot of money. So in those days, you could camp in your tent anywhere. We'd light a fire, cook our meal. And I love seeing the nature because you can see God in creation. Uh, The animals, the birds, the scenery. 
And this particular day, it was the 25th of December, it was Christmas Day. We were in Melbourne and we were about to catch the Princess of Tasmania, which was a vehicular ferry and a passenger ferry, across to Launceston. But uh, something happened uh, that particular day which changed my life. We had had lunch and uh, Dad and I wanted to go for a walk, but my mum was not feeling like that, so we decided to go riding through the streets looking at the Christmas decorations. The city was quiet. In those days, there were no shops opened. Uh, even the petrol stations were closed. There were no food shops open. It was a family day or a church day, a little bit different to what it's like nowadays. Mm. So the city was fairly quiet, nearly deserted, nobody walking on the streets, the odd car travelling to their family. And as we were driving along the road, I heard a voice. The voice said to me, hold on as tight as you can. Well, of course, I was curious. Who is this? I'd never heard anybody talk to me on the motorbike before. But, of course, I expected they were talking to my father. I waited. And then I looked from behind at his face when he didn't answer. And he looked as though he had heard nothing. That puzzled me because the voice wasn't in my head. It was a clear, audible voice. Very uh, commanding. Mm. Very, uh, you couldn't miss that voice. It got your my attention. I then looked at my mother. I was sure she must have heard that voice. But no, she acted as if she'd heard nothing also. And I was puzzled. So I started to look around on the streets, looking for a car, looking for a person. I couldn't see anyone. That puzzled me even more. Then I heard a voice, the same voice, more compelling this time, hold on as tight as you can. So I girded my legs tightly to the bike like you would on a horse. <laughs> I grabbed hold of the seat. It was an old aerial English bike. And I held on exactly, very, very tightly. It wasn't long before we came to an intersection. We came off uh, uh, one of the streets in the, the city there. Little Collins Street is the name of the street we were traveling on. Then we came onto the main road. We were turning in front of the oncoming traffic when there was a loud bang. Mm. The motorbike engine stalled and the car coming from Geelong, it was an FB Holden, struck the sidecar. It spun the bike around and um, it, was, it happened so quickly. Mm. I noticed uh, after the, the impact, my father was still there. He was a little shaken and his leg was a bit burnt on the exhaust, but he was okay. I didn't move because I was prepared. Somebody had warned me. Mm. But as I looked on the road, my heart sank. I had a, a sickening premonition. My mother was there. We had no helmets in those days, no seatbelts, mm. no protection. And the first uh, vehicle to arrive was a fire engine. Mm. And uh, the police came. Then a there was an ambulance. My mother never regained consciousness again. Oh. She was brain dead. 
it was a shattering experience for me. It took me many years to start to recover from that. Uh, she was my closest friend on earth. Yes. But I do remember that voice. And I remembered the promises in the Bible. Jesus is coming again. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. So these promises encouraged me. The fact that the voice, for some reason, had protected my life, gave me a reason to follow Jesus. And that inspires me. That's why I love to serve him now. And I have the promise that Jesus will come and my mother, who was a faithful Christian, will be resurrected. She'll have a new body and I'll be able to see her again. Amen to that. That really inspires me. Uh, So that was a turning point in my life and it's still an inspiring experience, even though it was the saddest time in my life. Uh, all things worked together for good. There was some good came out of it, some hope, a, a precious hope. Mm. Jesus was with me. He encourages me daily, reading his word, helping me through my sorrow. He's a companion that's with you through the good, through the bad. So that was uh, that's a little of my background. And, you know, ever since that day, I've drawn closer and closer to him, and I can never forget his compassion. And I know that when my mother was laid to rest, she's not suffering any pain. It's just like putting a baby to sleep. The Lord will wake her up one day. So I know she's not suffering. And my dad was good to me, and he looked after me, and I've been right till this day. He can uh, take care of us even when we lose someone special like that. Yeah, that's so wonderful, David, to to have that assurance yes. and to know God and trust Him yes. as He promised us that He will never leave us, will never forsake mm, us never. and to really have that faith in uh, in our uh, Lord and, and God uh, and in the Bible, in His promises. Yes. And David, um, from there, how old were you when that happened? I turned 12, 12. A, a few months before in September. Right. And then you were um, uh, moving on with life because uh, as a young boy, you know, sometime uh, maybe a, you cannot realize the full impact, mm. you know, which that thing can create, losing your mother. Oh, yes. Um, but how was life then going with you? Well, to start with, it was very hard. I, I Because my mother was my closest friend on earth, being an only child, I was very close. And being 12, you're not really independent yet. You're still very dependent on your parents. So I don't think I really laughed or, you know, it was a sad chapter. Life to me became a burden. If my life was taken, it would have been a relief. But after, as the years went on, Jesus was there, the promises were there, My father was caring for me, my grandmother, and slowly the sun starts to shine through Mm. again. And I understand the sorrow that Jesus must have gone through and his father uh, at times, you know, on the cross there when the father lost his son. Mm. It gave me an insight into that. So I'm grateful 
for the, that experience, even though it was painful, I learned many precious lessons of how much Jesus loves me, mm. how much the Father loves me. And he sustained me through that time. And I learned more from that experience than I think nearly any other experience in my life. Oh, okay, so that, it's that's good. Now, David, you you growing up, you know, you go to school, to the college, and uh, so forth. Yes. Um, I just want to bring you right to the point when uh, you also decide to follow God in ministry. I mean, to serve Him as a pastor. Yes. How that happened? Well, uh, when I was uh, growing up, I was I first got my license. And we had a pastor in Brisbane. His name was Pastor Ray Kent. He was a wonderful evangelist. He ran nine evangelistic series in a row. And they were nine-month programs with at least uh, 50 lectures, more than 50 lectures on the Bible and about Jesus, showing how his word is been fulfilled through prophecy and through many amazing things that uh, we were shown at the lectures. This put an amazing desire in my heart to share Jesus because I could see how interesting, how exciting and how loving Jesus was. And there was one turning point in my life at this experience at the end of one program, a lady got up and she shared how she'd brought her friend to the program. And that friend had accepted Jesus and had become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I thought, oh, I really want to do that. <laughs> so that really put a, a desire in my heart. I wanted to go around the world like Pastor Kent and get all the slides and to be able to be an evangelist, mm -hmm. a soul winner. And that was a big, uh, had a very big impression on my life. He was one of my greatest mentors, mm. a humble man, a very Christ-like man. He knew his Bible so well, and that inspired me to study the Word of God so I could share Jesus in a wonderful way with others through prophecy, through his promises, and of course through my own experience. So that was a big turning point for me, uh, and I never lost that desire. And I was able to, a friend of mine called Fyodor, uh, he was, he's from Iran, he's a Syrian background, I invited him to the program. Now, it's interesting how that happened. Uh, he had uh, been my friend. I used to do martial arts before I realized that that's not really a Christian uh, type activity, uh, but I did it innocently. And I met my friend there, and he went out opal mining, and I said, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. And knock and the door shall be open unto you. And he knew I was talking about not just opals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was a, a, a very faithful Roman Catholic Christian. And when he was out there, his boss, who was an American, was r driving his car and a big road train came and ran over that car and killed his boss. Oh. 
So he had to come back because that was his employment, his only income. So he was coming back. That particular day, I'd asked the Lord, please send someone to me. I'd marked my Bible with the marking chain reference Bible marking program. I had all the Bible studies there. The last study in there was the state of the dead, what happens when you die, and spiritualism, which is also talking about death and and some of the deceptions of mm-hmm. Satan in this regard. So I prayed that in the morning. That evening, my friend Fyodor, he was driving and he was saying, well, if the light is on, I'll go and see David. It was 10 after 10 at night. I'd been marking my Bible all day, turned the light off. I was very tired and I lay down on my bed and normally I drop off to sleep very quickly and you can't wake me up. But when I lay on the bed, it is as if I started to wake up and I couldn't sleep and I didn't know what to do. So I thought, I'll go and turn the light on. <laughs> and that's when Fyodor came round the corner. He ran up the stairs and he, we shook hands. He said, hello, David, what have you been doing? I said, I've been marking my Bible. I said, would you like to come in? He said, yes. Then he told me his story about what happened to his boss. Well, the last, I said, would you like to know what the Bible says uh, happens when you die? And he didn't know my Bible was marked. I gave him another Bible that wasn't marked. And uh, as we went through, he could see the truth mm. that is in, in the Bible. And he'd asked a question. I had just read something about it. The Lord had prepared me. He came to Ray Kent's program. He became a Seventh-day Adventist. He went down to Sydney and shared with his mother. She became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Then his sister. And she also became a Christian because she learned to love Jesus too. So that was a, that put in my heart a fire to share. It was such a wonderful experience. It brought joy in my heart that money could never give you, mm. pleasure could never give you, amusements could never give you, sports, all these things. They are nothing compared with that wonderful experience. And since then I've had the privilege of leaving, leading others to Jesus too. Praise the Lord. That's amazing, David, how... Uh uh, important, you know, is to share the love of God with oh, your neighbor, yes. with your friend, with whoever you come across. Yes. Just share the love of God. And that's true Christianity. Yes. Not uh, anything else like just to bash anybody with uh, whatever you're understanding or not understanding. Uh, yes. But just to share that love yes. of Jesus. Yes. That's, that's wonderful, David. Yeah. Now, I know time is going fast and I'm looking at the clock and I want to hear a little bit more from you. Yes. What brought you to the center of Australia where I met you? In, I met you, as I said, in, uh, in Fink. Yes. Now, you were uh, pastoring around in, in Alice Springs somewhere. I'm not sure exactly, but share with us. Well, yes, I look after half the Northern Territory. Uh-huh. So it's uh, the northern part is Tennant Creek, which is 500 kilometers north of Alice Springs. And then you met me at Fink. That's also the third church, uh, which is 425 kilometers south, southeast. Then we have planted three new groups, one at Mankata, one at Haas Bluff, and one at Ali Karung. So we now have six groups and others where we have people that have learned about Jesus. How I came to uh, 
come out to this area was uh, there was a friend of mine there, Pastor Quinton Dutlow, and he was moving on, and I went out to help him. And he took me to Fink, and he was watching me, because not all pastors are so... Uh, they find it more difficult to work with Aboriginal folks mm-hmm. because of their different cultural ways and their, you know, they may find it difficult. You know, not every pastor can work with different ethnic groups. But I had been to New Guinea, I'd been to Vanuatu, I'd been to the Philippines, I'd been to Mongolia, the Ukraine, All right. running evangelism in different countries. So I loved uh, different cultures. And uh, the Aboriginal people uh, came straight up to me and were asking questions. They felt at home. They felt comfortable with my way of presenting and my. they could see I was not prejudiced. Mm-hmm. They're, they're brothers and sisters just like we are. Uh, so he noted that and he put in a recommendation to the executive committee of our conference. I didn't know that. They were looking for a pastor after he left. And uh, somehow or other, my name came up, and uh, that was nearly uh, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about seven years ago when I first came out to visit him. And uh, because I love sharing Jesus, uh, the Lord has blessed our ministry. It's grown. We've had over 60 baptisms in this uh, area. It'll be over 70 this year. Twenty-five of them are at, were at Fink. Uh, but they're not only Aboriginals. There have been also some Africans, some Filipinos, Fijians, uh, Europeans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have had a, a wonderful experience there. It's a wonderful church family. So that's how I come to be there. That's great. Now, in the next few minutes, would you have a story uh, to share with us from the outback? I have a wonderful story. Uh, when I uh, am doing ministry, I cannot rely on my own ability or my own gifts. I trust totally on Jesus to guide me. And let me tell you how the community of Hast Bluff, which is 230 kilometers west of Alice Springs in the desert region, it's a, a large Lutheran area, how it opened up to us. Uh, there was a man there. This was about four... Yes, it would be 48, 49 years ago, there was a young Aboriginal man there by the name of Emmanuel Kingsley. Emmanuel heard a voice like I did, but the voice said something different to what I had heard. He said, you must go west and I will show you what you need to know. Now, this nine-year-old boy looked out and he didn't know about Western Australia and all he could see was Spinifex and red sand dunes, and he said, I can't go there. There's only spinifex and sand dunes. Then he heard the voice again. He looked around, couldn't see anybody, and he realized uh, that this must be something special. Maybe God is talking to him and has a purpose for him. Well, uh, eventually, he went through some of the challenges that the young people around him did, drinking. He got, he became a Uh, well, a street fighter in Alice Springs. Then, as his life settled down a bit, he became a stockman, a very good stockman. He decided to give up drinking and to become a Christian, and he went west. And when he went west, he became a Pentecostal Christian. As he continued his journey, 
he progressed. He was a lead singer. He played lead guitar. He became a pastor up in Turkey Creek, right in the north of Western Australia. He started to travel to do some evangelism, sharing Jesus, you know, like I'd love to share Jesus. He also wanted to share Jesus, how he changed his life, brought him away from drinking and his, you know, wildlife. And uh, he had had some experiences when he was uh, a stockman, how it was evident that someone had supernaturally protected his life. He had another experience uh, he was a lawman. Now, when they, uh, in the law, this there's spiritualism involved with this practices. Mm-hmm. And he was riding a horse, and he, he noticed this black horse. So he was chasing this black horse on his horse, and this black horse led him to a precipice. It disappeared, and he went over, and the horse came down on top of him. Wow. Yet he was able to get up. The Lord protected his life. You know, when a horse falls on you, you're not going to get up again. I know the feeling. I I fall so many times from horses because I used to break some wild horses back in Transylvania. Yes. And I know how bad it is. It's dangerous. But that horse also waited for him, which was unusual. So the angels were there protecting his life. At other times, his life was supernaturally protected and he realized there was a God. He met a man there by the name of Saturday. He was a landowner there, one of the Aboriginal men. When he travelled to Mount Isa doing some evangelism, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw Saturday. And Saturday said, if you follow me, you can come to heaven. He thought. He wondered what this dream meant. He went back to Turkey Creek and Saturday died. And guess what day he died on? Saturday. (laughs) So Saturday was strongly impressed in his mind. This was the second big uh, experience in his life that really had an impression on him. His first wife died, and there was another lady down in Perth by the name of Rossi. Rossi worked with the Noongar Aboriginal people, and she had been an Anglican. She'd become a Seventh-day Adventist. She discovered the Sabbath, and uh, she had been uh, doing that for some time bringing people to church, telling them about Jesus, the prophecy. She loved Jesus too. And Emmanuel had to take his son down there. And Rossi was driving the bus. She nearly ran him over because he's hard to see in the dark. And she invited him to the Revelation Seminar. Well, he came along and he he observed Rossi. Now, Rossi's husband had died too. So she's a widow and he's a widower. And uh, he was attracted to this beautiful Christian lady. So one night he rang up from Turkey Creek. He said, what do you think about marriage? And she thought for a minute and she said, are you asking me to marry you? (laughs) He said, yes. And uh, so she said, well, look, I can only marry someone who believes the same as me. So she shared about the Sabbath and uh, he came down, he studied. They got married and they decided to go out in the desert and they shared Jesus for many years there, giving food, clothing, Mm -hmm. helping the old people, painting the houses, cleaning the houses, helping the sick. And then they started to share the Bible. And then uh, it's an interesting story. I don't have time to tell it all, but the way opened for me to go and preach there. And we've had one baptism there. 
and the man that was baptized is his nephew. All right. And that nephew gave us some land to build a chapel, and uh, we are the. I've he invited. He's a big man out there. Mm-hmm. He invite had a Steve Grace come, a, a gospel singer, to sing. He attracted the people from all around the hundreds of kilometers from the different places like Kintore, Mount Liebig, Arionga, Hermansburg. They all came. There was over 300, and they listened to the second coming of Jesus as I preached to them. Praise the Lord. This whole district has opened up because of the way that God led Emmanuel and Rossi. So you can see, you know, one plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. Amen for that. He is the one who is working. We need a power from without ourselves. We are really nothing. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But with the power of God, we can share Jesus. And this gospel is going right through that area. So that's just a little story, and there's a lot more to it, but that's just a short version of that story. David, as I mentioned, because of our time, you know, it's so short, I'm pretty sure that we can come back and share more stories from the outback. Oh, for sure. This will be, this really interests me now, and uh, I will definitely uh, come back to you to, to get some of those stories. But you see, God has a plan with each one of us, and a plan with you, to go there, to yes. be able to connect with the people, yes. and to share the wonderful news yes. that God, that Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And we need to be pre- prepared for that. Yes. David, thank you so much for coming with us and sharing a bit of your background, a bit of your story, and the stories which are out there, which nobody knows about yes. them. Yes. We are here to let people know yes. and to broadcast these amazing stories in the footsteps of Jesus from down under. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. And um, I would like to say to our listeners, don't forget, keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus.